Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. Welcome, my friend. Hey, 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 Alora. What's going on? I'm Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. What's up? Okay, so this week's topic. So, you know, one of the things that's been um, an adjustment in my life is that my partner has now kind of found himself in a, in a state of chronic illness. And there is at least a hundred times a week. I ask the question, I ask one of the following questions. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can get? And the answer is almost always no. Thank you. I appreciate the offer, but no, there's nothing you can do. And that sense of like, total inability to help at all has been making me insane. Like it's, it's so like, as someone who is just used to getting shit done, cause that's what I do. Um, the fact that I'm in a state of perpetual, like just helplessness to accomplish anything that's actually going to move the needle for him is like a humongous struggle for me. And it's, it's been something that I've been noodling on a lot is, you know, how, how would I, how would I work with the client on this? Or how have I worked with clients when they're feeling incapable of helping, you know, somebody in their life that needs help. Um, and, and, uh, as usual, it's always harder when the shoe's on the other foot. So in, instead of just talking about it, theoretically, you can, you, I'll, I'll let you coach me on this one this week. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and immediately what pops up for me and, and because of recency, um, I've been working with a leadership team on what it means to create psychological safe spaces. And while creating safe space, the coaching, uh, the coaching task of holding space for another person experiencing something without our need to feel like we need to fix or impact outcomes. Um, and so Coach Alora, as you're seeking to help your partner feel better or whatever it is, what are you finding the rub? Like what, what's rubbing you when you think about that? Because I, I just hear hold space and just let them know you're available should they need you and so, let that be. Okay, so to your question, uh, what's where? where's the rub? So I would say there's, there's the tactical and then there's like the, the, just the more emotional and psychological, right? So on the tactical front, you know, his, his healthcare is through the VA and you yeah. of all people, I'm sure have a very intimate understanding of the bureaucracy limitations that are involved with the VA. Um, those, because I feel like 
that is, is in some ways like the only thing I can affect. I feel like I want to make progress there, but as you know, that bureaucracy moves the way that bureaucracy moves. There ain't nothing nobody's going to do about it. And so that I find is just fraying my temper on a regular basis. And I, you know, it's, I've spent a lot of time, put a lot of work into getting a handle on my temper. And so right now, the fact that that one continues to get under my skin, like for instance, this week, they, he had to get a new prescription for an updated pain medication. We live five, five minutes. He could walk to the VA pharmacy here. They dropped it in the mail. Again, when they put it in the mail, it takes five days. We're leaving town in less than 36 hours. It still hasn't arrived. There is almost no chance it is going to show up in our mailbox before we have to hit the road. We're going to be gone for 10 days. There is no way he can go without it. So now we're back to going to the VA and beating your head against the pharmacist wall over and over again. Like that kind of tactical thing to me is so maddening because it strikes me as utterly unnecessary. And I totally get, you know, it is its own self-contained thing, but I like, I get aggravated as hell with the fact that that is not more manageable or movable than it is. So that part is purely tactics. The other side of that is like he had a procedure a couple of days ago and he was in agony in the prep work leading up to it and in agony for the post for, you know, like two days almost. And like nothing I could do. Like he was miserable. He was just sick as hell, just absolutely just incapable of like even, you know, standing for a long periods of time. Like he just, like, he just could not. And there was nothing I could do. And that part definitely was a, made me feel helpless. You know, I have a tendency of feeding people when I'm like feeling like the need to fix something and like he can't eat because, you know, that's actually a big part of his, his illness is, is just, he's, he's not able to eat almost anything at the moment. So like, I'm, I'm stuck with, with no clear tools to try to help assuage anything in the moment. And it's driving me crazy. So yeah, so that's both sides, the tactical piece. And I don't know what to do about that piece because really, you know, you know, the VA is the VA and you just got to go through whatever yeah. you have to go through. The, the other piece is like, I don't, I definitely don't feel equipped to handle, you know, being told that, no, there's nothing you can do. Well, I, and I would tell you, um, yeah, that first one, don't, don't even waste energy there. Um, get, get, get your emotional equity back <laughs> from, from dealing with the VA. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, Again, we have one of the largest ones here in Georgia and multiple locations, but only one you could get physicals at. We have multiple large locations, but there's only one you could do an annual physical at. And you dang near have to put your bid in now for next year, <laughs> like like middle of next year for an annual physical. And so, um, so yeah, that entity is the entity. Um, but I would say for you, because because you're such a um, you're you're such a serving person and so loving and so caring um, that just being rerouting what you normally would do is the opportunity to to care in a in another way that makes sense um, for him right now. And I would tell you, particularly as we talk about this with relationships and coaching and and just how are we showing up for people. 
just again giving them that space and and the fact that you're there i'm telling you if but know anything about him he is over the hills that you're just there like and and just like accepting like man she has my back like no like nobody is signing up for chronic illness or anything else like that and the fact that you've been riding like to this point he's like i got me one like he's like i i stole her like and and so for you he knows he understands and and for you as coach you like you know what i it sucks but i'm gonna continue to let him know i'm here however you need me and and i believe that's a testament to just the values of that you have and that you aspire to and again that's that's family, but that's also the norms that you've created for yourself. And so, um, I man, this is a good one as it pertains to people, whoever's listening, just things that you're dealing with. Just, Alora, what's what are some of the things that you've been doing to kind of kind of quiet uh, the storm at times when when you can't do? So, uh, you know, the thing is, at the moment, our situation is sort of like doubly compounded, right? I mean, you've yeah. got the COVID part that factors in on some level but even beyond that like we're in a community that you know i kind of feel like an alien in so i don't tend to even even covid notwithstanding i don't tend to socialize that much because quite honestly i'm afraid of running into people that i'm gonna get into a political fight with here i mean this is the home of i mean this is like you know it's like being out in the country in texas like it's very 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 conservative you know guns are their own religion and and screw you if you disagree like very 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 divisive in that regard and so because i have no appetite for that anymore i i end up you know retreating so he's constantly been worried about me because i've been staying home too much um and that's definitely been a problem like basically i you know take the dogs out that's that's been kind of it so i've been doing better about trying to incorporate some other things i've started going to yoga Figure yoga is a reasonably safe place. I'm probably not going to run into too many gun-toting wingnuts at a yoga class, so that's safer in that respect. Um, but the reality is, it's been very hard to find things that I can do so that I get out of the house to help clear my head. Because that's, I think, the first piece is I know I need to do that more. Um, the uh, the other piece, though, is that you know he his how he's feeling is unpredictable, right? So he can be perfectly fine one day. Well, for most of one day, he basically he wakes up every morning, absolutely miserable, has to wait for pain medication to kick in in the morning before he can get up and get moving. And so some mornings he might be able to get moving around nine, nine thirty. Other mornings he might be flat on his back until almost noon. It just depends. And so we can't schedule too much in the mornings. It's hard to plan around. And that part, again, makes my type A control freak overly planned personality completely nuts because I don't know how to schedule anything or anything like that. And so that part has been hard. So I've been working more um, on like reorganizing, like again, back to tactics, right? Because I don't, I don't have a, a magic wand for the emotional side of this, but tactically it means that, okay, so I, 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 front load my day. I, I make sure that whatever meetings, whatever appointments, whatever anything I have, I try to do first thing in the morning so that, you know, I am out of, out of his hair and that I have something to do. So I'm not hovering like some kind of like paranoid mother hen. Um, and so that, you know, I give him time to kind of work through, you know, his pain while it kick, while the medis- medication kicks in in the morning and then whatever, you know, we need to get done in the afternoon, whether it's 
his work or something, you know, jointly or whatever it is, I kind of try to do that. So that helps. Um, I would say that outside of that, the only other thing I've been able to do is find projects that have nothing to do with work that I can like focus on when I need to, because I can't like, you know, to your point, I can't change how long it takes the VA to get him an appointment. I can't change the fact that, you know, we have to drive five hours to get him to the specialist that he needs to, I, I can't change any of those things. And sometimes all I have, all I can do is wait, there's nothing else. And as would surprise absolutely no one, waiting is not exactly my specialty. So I have to find things that I can focus on that are not time sensitive. You know, most work stuff ends up being too time sensitive. Um, and so I have to find projects that are open-ended that I can, you know, when I have time or I need to, you know, shift my focus, I can dive into. And then if I can't get back to them for a couple of weeks, it's not a big deal. Um, and I think those are probably the main tactics that I have been trying to kind of get built into my schedule uh, and into my routine because otherwise, oh, and making sure that I'm meditating because that's probably the other main thing that I know makes a difference. But yeah, otherwise, like that's that's kind of like the sum total of what I can do. Like I said, I I love to cook. Right now he can't eat. Like he's like, I mean, he's dropped like 20 pounds in the last two months because he simply can't eat. And he didn't have 20 pounds to lose. I've been trying to lose 20 pounds for like the last 30 years, but not like he can't, I mean, he just can't eat. So normally at the end of the day, I like to cook and do all kinds of, you know, and hang out in the kitchen. And it's kind of pointless at the moment because he can't eat. And so you know, this, again, the tools that I'm used to relying on don't get to be applied here in any kind of way that's helpful. And so I've been struggling with new ones. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, um, you know, I was with a uh, group of coaches yesterday and we were, the question came up kind of around this, this kind of same vein of what are we doing to continue to um, do self-care, um, different things like that. And I know um, kind of my, my, my two uh, go-tos are, uh, of course, trips around mindless nothingness. Um, so where somewhere I can go kick my feet and swing my feet, <laughs> thinking about nothing, but then also professional development. And one of the, the things that I love that I've been doing over the past several weeks um, was the introduction to positive intelligence. Um, and just how you talked about meditation, but introducing these moments throughout my day to do these check-ins um and, and they call it uh the positive quotient gym uh where you know you have these two minute five minute or 12 minute exercises that you do just to get clear um and that was something that i was not doing as a part of my day and and my mindfulness was hey i need to carve out a half hour or 15 minutes to go walk which was good but what was happening, particularly this year, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I feel like I've been running 100 miles an hour since we kicked off 2021 um, and all on good things, right? As a business owner, right? The calendar, there's been no wasted time on my calendar. Um, and, but I was needing to find moments to get clear before going to the next thing. And by adding positive intelligence or adding in something that helps you, um, continue to build self-awareness and that was really what this helped me do is like hey I needed to pivot I needed to do different things to support me um being a great 
partner, interactor, um, coach with a client. Um, and just, and I think 2020 kind of showed everybody a glimpse in the mirror of, Hey, what, what got you here won't get you there. Right. You, you're always talking about, you know, the Malcolm Goldsmith stuff, but it's like, no, really in life as life is going to deal you a hand and how are you going to play it? Right. And the old way of playing it is, is not really going to get you a win. Um, but it's, just, it's a pivot, right? It's a, a, a shift. And we're not necessarily have to be totally uh, ready for the shift. But there are things that can help us prepare. Um, and again, you, you mentioned a lot of things that I think people um, need to add as a part of their practice. And, and again, as I engage with people, as I engage with leaders, one of the biggest things is, is leading with grace. Uh, living with grace. Um, and again, not that you, you let anybody off the hook. And, you know, I had, um, you know, I'm Professor Henderson now. And as I think about, you know, my students um, at Morehouse College, and I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine being undergrad right now. I mean, they got thrust home. And I'm thinking about the freshmen who are now sophomores in my class. And they could remember this time last year, being made to go home, like abruptly leave campus, go home and just thinking about the adjustments. And then, you know, you have some thrust back into the world that they were thought they were getting away from and now being thrust back into that entire environment. And again, not judging the environment they're going back into, but now they're a major player back at home where they were able to be a student and everything else when they were on campus. And so as I think about that, as, as I teach them in leadership and professional development, one of the things is empowering the voice of them and them hearing themselves in moments of perseverance has also supported their maturation. Because I told them, I said, there's no employer on the planet, no recruiter, no anybody that can even remotely tell you how to feel about growing up in during this time. Like there's, there's no, there's nobody. And, and so helping people craft language um, has been another outlet that um, has been a pleasant surprise that I've been supporting uh, clients and students and everybody else with this crafting language around how they're feeling, how they're processing these, this season of life. Um, and it's really been a beautiful thing uh, for me to witness. Um, and it's been very, I, I say therapeutic listening to, to people tell their story. Um, so when it comes to story and just something like this, um, this hits close to home, I believe for a lot of people. And, and so what are some things that you're talking through with people around these same topics? Well, so again, you know, it's, it's, it's always, um, enlightening when you go through something you've coached other people on before and you're like oh yeah this really blows more than I more than I realized um so I would say that the things that that I keep or the conversations that I keep kind of recounting have to do with a lot to your point a lot of self-care right you gotta you know you can't you can't turn yourself inside out and then still be of any use to anyone else so if you want to be helpful you got to take care of your own your own self first. So that part comes up a lot. I think the other thing is, is also around a support network. And I would say that's, that's easily the biggest gap I have for me here, right? I have amazing friends and family who are extremely supportive, but none of them are here. And so that part is, is, um, 
in some ways that part I think is the toughest. And I don't think, I don't think I've historically when working with someone on these kinds of topics, I don't think I've necessarily um, recognized how useful that can be. And now feeling like I don't have as readily available access to it as would be helpful. Um, now it's like, oh man, God, yeah. Like I, I underestimated why that would matter, you know? And so I think that part is another thing that I'm still kind of scoping out in my head because, you know, we're three states away from, <laughs> you know, from my family and, and from my closest friends and like on a, you know, really crappy day, like he, you know, he has like, you know, whole weeks where he's just like flat on his back or where, you know, he's just in so much pain that he can't do much of anything. And like, I don't really have like any place to go with that. Like I, you know, when I can't do anything, you know, the most, really the most I end up doing is getting the dogs out of here and, you know, going to the dog park. But like, that's, that's kind of this I'm told over, right? I don't have like somebody whose house I can go to again, COVID factors, notwithstanding and be like, oh my God, like I just, and just, you know, kind of get, get off my chest, whatever I need to. So I think the support network piece is definitely something that I have, have um, increasing awareness around why it matters. And the fact that I have not done as, as good a job setting myself up for needing that. I mean, you know, we just moved here. <laughs> we just moved here in the middle of the pandemic and got here and it became very clear that I was not in a setting where I was going to have an easy time meeting people that I had kind of, you know, similar values with. And so that part definitely hampered it. And then of course he got sick after that. And it's like, well, crap, I'm kind of like, you know, I feel so, so to that, in that way, I sort of feel like I'm at the bottom of a well and I just like hear the echo, but there's nobody else really around. Um, so yeah, so I think that one is probably, is probably the biggest epiphany I've had is just, you know, that it's more valuable than, you know, cause I, I moved away from my family 15, almost, actually 16 years ago. And I didn't, um, really didn't think I would want to move back. I really didn't, you know, I, you know, I missed them, but I didn't want to move home. Like it was, you know, you, as someone who's moved away from their family, like you have that kind of like back and forth, right? You love them and you miss them and you enjoy getting to see them when you get to see them, but that doesn't mean you want to live near them, you know, like, and so like, I've had this kind of tug of war with myself ever since I left. And this is like the first time when I've had the thought of, God, you know, it would actually be kind of nice to be closer. And I've never had that thought in the 16 years since I left. And so that part's another weird one that I'm still kind of trying to reconcile because I didn't expect that one. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it, so when we were going through that that whole uh, franchise conversation at, towards the end of 2020 um, and the idea of potentially moving back home as a, as a part of that um it sounded good in theory that we would be closer to family but then as my wife was like well I mean we like them and all but <laughs> so I I left I left home in about the same amount of time when you left I mean I left 2003 and haven't lived near like the last duty station I was we were four hours and some change away 
And that was the closest we had been um, in, you know, probably a decade uh, since leaving in 2003. And it was like, when we moved back to Georgia, it was like, all right, we got it. We scratched that itch. But what makes it good, I think, for my wife in particular, because two of her sisters are here. And so um, she has family. And I've always been that kid. I'm the oldest boy. And I'm like, I love you, but you know, I, I can go see you if I need to. And well, and the funny thing, we, and we were talking about, me and Jabri, we were talking about that the other day, like, I'm at the point now where, because of what's happening with me, my, I took a MBTI. So I retook and I, I told you I'm a ENFP now. And I, my E is getting close to I. And as it pertains to me being able to ebb and flow alone or with others or and I think I really think my E comes out and stuff like this um, in teaching um, and engaging with others. But as it pertains to what fills me up, it's actually being by myself um, and not. And again, of course, I got my brother, you know, that's that's my dog. I talk to him every day or every other day. Um, but I'm really like in this season of life, I think 2020 was like it forced me into really saying yes to me um and and again not as a bad thing because I was like oh man I should want to be around people and my wife who is like not that person she's like oh, I don't need to be around nobody and I just embraced it um and I and it had nothing to do with you know you know any scarcity or anything like that it was just the fact that I was like you know what I'm pretty dope um and I could you know and I love your the the whale thing and immediately in my head, I was like, but you could have fun in a whale, like the echoes and like the noises you could make. Like, I was like, I was, I for real, that went in my head. Like, and that, that's why I smiled when you said it. Um, like, I hope you didn't think it was weird. Um, but <laughs> it was, I think that's actually a really, it's, it, but I think that's, that's very true, right? Like at different points in time, we want yep. different access and different, you know, amounts. Yeah contact with the people, especially I think the shared history, right? At times that shared history of I think siblings are especially uh, meaningful in that way for a lot of people. Um, but sometimes that is really enormously comforting. Other times like, okay, you know what? I'll see you at Christmas, forget that. And I was always very lucky in that I either had traveling jobs so I could go home and visit kind of whenever I wanted or look what I worked for an airline. So I'd get on a plane and go whenever. I um, and so like, I didn't, I wasn't somebody who moved away and felt like completely cut off because I had enough access to visit and things like that, that I can kind of get my fix in when I was feeling like I needed it. Um, but yeah, I think now, again, you know, just sometimes it's just a given week and it's a lousy week and, you know, and I'll call my dad or one of my best friends or my, you know, somebody, but it's like, it's not the same. And I think again, to your, your E and your I comment which is funny to me because I'm actually very, I'm, I am, I'm also an E, but I'm close to the border. And so I, I do need a lot of alone time, and like, you know, and it's, it's always a, it's always a weird thing for other people to gauge. Cause they're like, Oh my God, you're so extroverted. Like, you need a lot of time alone. Um, and that's why. And so it's one of those things that where, you know, I, you know, right now, if I, if we do have a bad day, like, you know, he said he had a procedure on Monday and he was just, it was terrible. Everything about it leading up to and afterwards, just, we had basically, you know, about five days of just agony. And like, I didn't have, you know, and I'm trying to not 
make him feel worse because he felt like he was physically so in so much pain like there was yeah I was trying to be supportive but like I just wanted to yell at someone right and like there's not you know I don't have a punching bag here anymore I miss my punching bag I gotta say my heavy bag (laughs) I should that's one of those things I probably shouldn't have gotten rid of when I moved from Austin but like that kind of thing is where I definitely feel like that that support network being available in person has a value to it that I've probably historically underestimated. And because I was largely single and have been very fortunate in my own health and my own circumstances that I haven't had a need for someone else to, you know, you know, for a shoulder to cry on in that way, I've been able to be that shoulder to cry on, but I haven't really needed it from other people so much. And so distance hasn't been a big deal or when something was going on, you know, it wasn't necessarily acute or urgent enough. And so if I needed to, I could get on a plane and I could go see someone. But like, this is such a chronic ongoing situation. And again, it's unpredictable. Tuesday is a bad day. Wednesday is a good day. Who knows? Like you can't, there's no way to parse it. And so, yeah. So I think the, the support network is, is not something that I, I, have a way of cultivating here, especially now that we know we're leaving in a few months. So it's just kind of, I feel like I'm in limbo on that one. And I'm trying to come up with like band-aids around it. So far, nothing's been fantastic. Yeah. And and I think, I think a takeaway um, that I believe that I'm picking up for, from you and, and kind of, as I think about the things I've shared thus far is just getting okay with what understanding what our community looks like and who do we have to reach out to for those outlets um because i know my my community and i'm thinking about myself and like you said i'm i've been um notoriously bad um at reaching out when i'm having a tough time and it's actually been others that i've engaged with on calls that have kind of called me out like when they see something going on or they see something um, wrong. And I think that's a testament to how intentional I've been with the type of people I want to surround myself with in the community of coaches and different things like that, that there's a level of skill set um, from the people I want to surround myself with that they they just kind of have an intuition. They just kind of have a skill set and they, ha- they built a muscle to say, hey, I'm here if you need me, right? And I think for a lot of, uh, for strong, particularly strong people like us, um, having a community of people like that around us um, is necessary. And so on video, on live uh, with this podcast, Laura, no, you have your community um, because this this is what we need from each other. Um, And I think more than ever, this being the norm that we're available we make ourselves available um to process this and um as a vet i make myself available to your partner as as just another battle buddy um or anybody else and again i don't necessarily have to understand what he's going through just know that i'm there as an option so nope and that's that's exactly right and that's good so okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and so, okay, so so that's actually, I feel like we, we kind of hit a natural conclusion for that one. That was pretty good. Oh, 
So, okay. Any, any last thoughts or, or, uh, considerations to, to keep in mind? Yeah. Um, so I found this little sign behind me that I pulled out and it was something I used at a con conference and I looked at it and I was like, I'm going to put that behind me. Hello, my name is change. And just right under we're ready. Are you? Yeah. I was noticing that. I yeah. like it. It's just very good. That's the message. That is the message as always. And you don't get to plan it. You don't get to control it. You just got to figure out how to roll with it. Alrighty, my friend, then I will see you in two weeks when I get back from my trip. All right. Safe travels. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye. You too. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.